Hello and welcome, everybody. We have today a special guest named Melissa Lowe. She is coming to us from the Virgin Islands in the States, just south of the States. And she is a time management coach for busy moms. And she specializes in essentialism, which I love. And I'm very excited to have her. And well, yeah, we're just excited to learn from you today, Melissa. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Oh, good. I'm excited. So could you just get us to know you first, introduce us to you and where you grew up and how you have come to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, my goodness. So um, I was born in Barbados. Um, I used to think it was a super small island until I moved where I am today. Um, and, you know, I moved to the States and loved the East Coast, ended up going to college there, um, got a job. And, you know, now I am living in the U.S. Virgin Islands, specifically in St. Thomas, where you do not need a passport if you're in the United States. So please come visit. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, was the game changer for me in terms of getting into coaching was I, I got diagnosed with breast cancer December of 2020. And, you know, it made me reevaluate my entire life. And, you know, cancer does run in my family. So I don't want to say I was expecting it, but I thought I'd been preparing myself. But when you finally hear those words, it's one of those things that it just shakes your whole world and it makes you question like everything you've done up to that point. Um, and I realized that I had a ton of regrets and it wasn't because I wasn't, you know, a good person or, you know, doing the best work I could do. It was that I was just living too small and too safe. Um, so, you know, I kind of said to God, you know, if, if you save me, if you let me stick around, I'm going to do so much better. I'm going to live bolder. I'm going to do all the things that you placed on my heart that I was too afraid to do. And coaching came up for me through posting about my chemo and surgery journey online and people, you know, just kept giving me great feedback. And someone actually asked me if I'd ever thought of coaching and I had it because I'm a data nerd and I like numbers and I never thought about doing something a little bit more, you know, woo-woo might sound a bit, um, a bit terrible to people. And I apologize to all the coaches, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. And, you know, eventually I got to a place where that person planted a seed in me and, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try and see how much I enjoy it. And I got my certification and I, I love it. I just absolutely love everything about it. It's, I couldn't imagine my life without being a coach. That sounds amazing. I'm glad you found something you love so much. Yeah. A lot of people go a long time without finding that sort of thing. But how long have you been doing that? So it's been two years now um, that I've officially been a certified coach. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where it started off very, I love the way it's involved. Like I just started, you know, coaching everybody, you know, let's just co anyone in the grocery store, like let's just coach. Um, and the more that I just started talking to people, I realized, okay, I want to work with women. And then I started, you know, talking and talking to women and realizing, oh, wait, working moms, those are my people. Like 
not a lot of people are helping working moms. They do so much. They beat themselves up and they don't ask for help. And no one's coming in to say, let me help you. Um, so I wanted to serve that population. And, you know, as I talked to working moms about self-care and taking care of, you know, who they are on the inside and their bodies, they kept saying, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And I was like, well, you know what? I have a project management certification. Like I work with scheduling. Like, let's help you find the time. <laughs> so that's how I got into time management coaching. It's really self-care coaching and, you know, getting women to really prioritize themselves and their health so that they can be the best for their families. Well, I do that through time management, right? Because that's like the biggest barrier for a lot of moms. Absolutely. The biggest barrier. I know from many years of trial and error that it can be next to impossible to carve out time to do any sort of focus on your health. It's so true. It's, you know, it's one of those things that it's not just like a practical thing. You know, there's a lot of mindset shifts that need to happen in order to help someone even believe that they can find more time in their day. Um, but I love it. I love seeing women transform and getting excited about their schedule. You know, thinking about where we started, it's just like the most amazing thing. And I usually leave calls like feeling like a, an elf, you know, I'm just like so giddy because, you know, they, they come in so with so much despair, not a lot of hope. And, you know, by the end of our sessions, it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to to do this thing or, you know, go into my week. So I, I do love that about it. Um, and you're right. It's, it's, it's not just let's look at a schedule. There's so many belief systems that we need to challenge um, and read and redefine that, you know, but that, that's kind of what we got to do. That's what we signed up for. And, and I love doing it. Okay. I have three questions for you. I don't expect you to remember them all, but I'm going to say them so that they're verbalized and we can get to them eventually. Um, the first one would be, what are the top few beliefs that you think women hold that prevent them from thinking those that they have time or are worth taking time for self-care? That's the first one. The second one is, um, how much time on average do you think women have or can gain each week by working with you to make sure their schedule can work? And the third one that we'll get into later is talking about essentialism and how you can use your time and your focus more effectively. Now, I know that's going to be a very long, long discussion, but I want to just, before we get into talking about essentialism, first think about how do we even feel like we're worthy or worth taking time to work out? Because I remember for years when I was taking care of my little kids, it was just not a thing. It was not a thing at all. I'm yeah. busy making sure they're alive. And it was completely back burner for me. So yeah, those three. Okay. So can you repeat the first one for me? Yeah. So what are the top mindset shifts that you think people and women need to have to or in order to feel that it is important and they are worth taking time to do self-care? Yeah. I think the first one is around perfectionism. I think that a lot of us feel pressure to show up in our lives in a oh, perfect sorry. way. I, I, I know I'm not trying to know. I just realized I forgot to ask first for you to define self-care. Oh. A lot of women will just be like, well, I don't need have time to go get my nails done. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about. 
Exactly. Okay. So when it comes to self-care, I do believe that it has a much broader range than what we see on social media. So, you know, the hashtag self-care isn't selfish usually is people at the nail salon, at the spa, at the, you know, hair salon, just getting dolled up. And they're, they're, that has merit, right? So you do need that time as a mom, as a woman, as an individual to make yourself feel good. But self-care is so much more than that. It is, you know, carving out time to journal and reflect on what it is that you really need. It's um, questioning your goals that you set for yourself to make sure that they actually align with your values. Um, If you are religious, it's making time to pray. And I'm sorry. If you are religious, it's making time to pray and, you know, feed yourself spiritually, whether it's Bible study. So I, the way I like to define self-care is it's whatever builds you up on the inside, like first. And then I think you can also, you know, do some of those external things as well. But I like to fill, I think it's more filling your cup, right? Which which gives you the opportunity to show up in your life in a way that makes you feel proud. Um, it gives you energy. Self-care is replenishing your energy. That is brilliant. Okay, so now we kind of defined what it is. So why should we, I mean, you said why a little bit, but what are some other reasons that maybe prevent women from feeling that they should do it? And how can they switch that mindset? Yeah. So when it comes to self-care, there are lots of things that get in our way. I think it is, you know, thinking that we need to be perfect. We need to show up as these magical beings, you know, who wipe the snot from the nose while vacuuming with one hand. And, you know, it's like this crazy like picture that we have of motherhood um, that she does it all. And we say it, right? We say you need to have it all. You need to do it all for everyone. And it's like, that's not sustainable. It's not even possible, right? Like, what does that even mean? Um, so I think the 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 idea that we have to show up perfect, um, the idea of or the, the definition of what society has us believing motherhood is. Um, and, and I think also... We having issues asking for help and support. I just believe that, you know, I always say, you know, self-care, yes, it has the word self in it, but it's not meant to be done alone. So life is all about relationships and connections and having a tribe that supports you and building that tribe out. And I think a lot of moms just, you know, we get to a certain age and we stop trying as hard to have real friendships um, and to, to have real support systems. So I think those stand in our way of, you know, taking time out for ourselves because a lot of the, I don't want to call them excuses. They're the reasons that moms say they can't do what they need to do is I don't have the time. Well, if you had a support system, then you could have someone watch the kids for you for an hour if you need to go out and do something. Um, you know, I don't have the energy while, you know, if you didn't feel like you needed to be perfect and take on everything, um, then, you know, we could we could work on getting that energy level. Oh, one big one that I have to talk about is boundaries. Like, 
we don't want to say no. We do not want to say no. <laughs> and currently I'm like doing a November challenge where, you know, people in my newsletter, I'm challenging them to just make a list and be intentional about some things that you say no to this month so that you have a wonderful lead into the holidays because it can be so stressful. We say yes to so much. And then we're like, oh my God, I'm so, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I, I can't, I can't do it all. I can't get through it. And, you know, we just don't enjoy the holidays that much anymore. So, um, yeah, I think those are kind of like some big mindset blocks that are stopping us from getting the care that we need. I think you're right. A lot of that also led into the idea of what we're going to discuss later, which is essentialism, because once you start setting those boundaries, once you realize what you're actually aiming toward and your goals are aligned, then you're really, then you're really going. But before, before we get into that, though, um, when someone comes to you and they say, you know, I have no time and I'm feeling burnt out and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And you saying, right, let's look at what's actually happening. You work on the mindset stuff, but also you actually work on the logistics and the hours of the schedule and you do your project management magic. Um, how many hours do you find that they can reclaim? I would say, you know, over time, so we do six weeks is the shortest amount of time that I'll work with anyone because it does take time to get to that place. But we have found, you know, five to 10 hours a week that women can reclaim just in those six weeks, um, which, is, which can be very substantial for them because um, we don't just work on finding time and kind of like eliminating things. We also work on being more productive with the time that you have to work as well. Um, so, you know, we're, we're finding efficiencies is looking at like almost like a balance sheet. We're looking at increasing revenue and decreasing expenses at the same time. Um, so we have just a wider profit of energy and time for them to, to be able to benefit from. That makes sense. And what a what a change that would be if you had an extra ten hours a week. That's that's forty hours a month extra. That's a whole nother work week. Yes, exactly. And you know, what we also work on is identifying that the things that you thought you wanted to do are actually the things you want to do at that time. So we really dig into what does self-care actually look like for you? Like, don't tell me what you see on Instagram and the commercials, like we really look at what they value and make sure that they're doing it based on that and not based on, you know, looking a certain way or, you know, making other people happy, but it's really the things that make them happy. That That's exactly right. I won't be um, very long about this, but I do have a, a designer, a planner that I designed called the Productivity Planner, which I might release at some point. I don't know if people want it, but I actually took a lot of those principles and the beginning of the planner is a pretty extensive workbook where you work out what you actually want. You do the deep dive to find out your whys and then you figure out, okay, so what does that look like in my life when those, I actually start living toward my goals. And then you can break that down into, right, what is my goal? And then before you even get to setting out timelines, you say, how, what is the most productive thing steps that I could take to achieve my goal? So you're going to 
throw that Pareto principle in there so you're not spinning your wheels. And then after that, you could start saying, okay, so now I've got these top things I need to do. How can I reach those goals? So, it, you know, you've got to break it down because the day to day you'll get there, but it's a lot faster when you actually know where you're going and you have big steps you or little steps to go toward a more effective big step. Because if you're doing all the tiny things that don't really matter that much, you're not going to make a lot of progress. It's so true. And I love how you started and built and you're walking people through that process before they get into planning because, yeah, planning on the the wrong thing is just yeah. going to waste time and make you, you know, I find that so many of us, we are working, we are doing so many things in our lives, but we don't feel fulfilled. So it sounds like your planner is the perfect thing to help make sure that you're working on the right things and the right things is not based on anyone else's definition, but your own. So I love that. Which you don't find unless you actually do some digging into your own heart and feel what it is you really, truly want, like you did when uh, you had your breast cancer. And sorry for changing. I don't mean to change the topic, but I also saw on your um, your website that you survived a couple of pretty severe hurricanes. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think that also helped me reevaluate, um, you know, just what I was doing in my daily life, especially when it came to finances, like we had so much stuff and we, in the hurricanes, there were two category four hurricanes that actually hit St. Thomas um, in the Virgin Islands. And we were in this house um, and we were downstairs and we came up and the roof had gone and we lost everything in the house. So in an instant, everything we owned was gone. Um, and it just made me think, hey, well, what's really important to me? I didn't care about my iPad, my camera. Like in that moment, I was just really grateful that my family was safe, right? And it sucks that it takes category four hurricanes or breast cancer to make us reevaluate what we're actually doing. Like what's really important to us. And really and truly, that's why I have come to being a coach because I just don't want women to, I just don't want them to have to go through such massive trauma in order to do the right thing for themselves, right? To live their lives the way they want and to experience the kind of joy that they can have if they live lives according to their own values. So yes, those category four hurricanes, as crazy as they were, as much as they displaced our family, we literally had to move to Atlanta for um, a couple of months. They were, I'm grateful for them as I am for breast cancer because they were the wake up call that I needed to change how I looked at life. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to help open some people's eyes about you know, what is it that you really want out of this life? Why are you really here? What's going to light you up? Like, what's going to get you excited when you open your eyes in the morning? So, you know, I'm super excited to to be able to do that. So do you go through, do you try to bring that same level of um, introspection to your clients when you're guiding them the same level that you had after you went through your heart kings? Okay. Sorry. I stopped being able to hear you. Okay. Okay. I, I, I can hear you now. Okay. Should I repeat the question? Yes, please. 
All right, I will. Um, is that what you bring to your clients then when they come and study with you is, or work with you? Is that same level of introspection as to, that you, the same, give them that perspective that you got? Absolutely. I mean, we don't do much of anything um, without starting with what they value and what's important to them. And we do some deep work, um, but I, I think it is the most important essential work there is to do we don't have that foundation. Like, what are we doing? You know? Um, so, and I think it's always eye opening for clients to, to just name the things that are important to them. It's such a powerful thing. Um, and sometimes it can be surprising to them because when you look at their life before and we start like kind of saying, okay, well, we've named needs values. We've gotten down here. Let's, let's, Let's compare this to what your life looks like today. And you're like, oh my God, like I am so far away <laughs> from what I say matters to me. Um, but it it is that kickstart. I think that rocket fuel that we need to like have the right energy to make those changes and to make sure that they're sustainable, right? Like now you know why you're doing it. And it's it just increases the probability that you're going to keep doing the things that you're that you that are good for you because you know you know okay this is this really matters to me yeah and once you have your why then that's that'll just drive you and fuel you and it's not like you need a mo motivational speech it just it's part of you so it's what you do exactly exactly that and you know it's one of those things where you know coming from when you, when you talk about moms in particular, we need a why because we're so quick to compare ourselves to other moms that we can get so lost in other people's whys and what other people are doing. So we need a way to get back to center. And I think that knowing that why is the perfect way to do that. I could not agree more with that. It is so easy to look at someone making sourdough bread or somebody doing a cute craft. Oh, I should do that or I should be that or I should, should, should because we see it and it looks nice and not because it's toward what we want to be or who we are. And it's a, it, it can just, it reminds me of um, if you were swimming in the ocean and instead of swimming toward the shore, say you just swam and just swam in any direction. And maybe there's a cute fish over there or a, a, who knows, something, a boat or whatever it is. And if you're just swimming and expending your energy, but you're not actually getting anywhere that you really need or want to go. Right. And you know what? It's interesting. So many of us feel lost because of it and we don't know. So we say things like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know who I am anymore. You know, um, I don't really love my life as much anymore. And that's because we've lived for so many other people and we're focused on what the other moms are doing. We're focused on what society tells us mom should be doing. We're also focused on, you know, just like making sure everyone else in the family is okay. So we're not even checking on ourselves. Right. And then, like you say, you look around and you're like on a plank in the middle of nowhere. You're like, how did I get here? Um, so, you know, similar to your planner, like I have created a guided journal and it may seem a bit strange, right? Because as a time management coach, I you would think that I'd be coming out with, you know, a scheduler or a planner. Um, but 
I just realized that so many moms couldn't answer, even as we do the work, the core value work, I realized that there were so many questions they just couldn't answer about themselves. So, you know, I thought it was really important. It was super important for me to be able to answer what I consider simple questions about ourselves, not about our kids, not about our, our partners, but about us, right? And um, so I created a guided self-love journal and it's 30 lists. It's, it's all based on listed journaling um, because as moms, we are very familiar with lists, right? Shopping lists, Christmas lists. Um, and, you know, so it's it's a, it's an easy and it's a simple way. And I think it's a fun way to journal. Um, but you're left with, you know, a book about you. Um, you know, things that make you tick, things that, things that motivate you, you know, things that you love to do, um, even things you want to be in life, you know, regardless of where you are. So, you know, I think that that is the core of everything that, you know, we build our lives upon. That would be such an amazing gift to give your children or for them to find after you've gone and to read through and really get to know what made mom work. And, oh, she's like me and she went through this and I thought she was amazing. So maybe I'm not so bad. Just be wonderful. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that because I do kind of think of it as a bit of a legacy journal as well. Um, and, you know, depending on what age your kids are, I, you know, I just think that it would be so cool for them to look into it and get a sneak peek into what you were really thinking or really feeling. And, um, you know, there's even some things like one of the prompts is like, you know, list 10 things that make you cry, you know? So it's like really unpeeling yourself as a mom and just showing that you're human and you're an individual and all the things that they're going to feel going through their lives, you felt, you know? And it, I think I, I'm su super excited. And it was important for me to create it because as I battled with breast cancer, I wanted my kids to have a piece of me too. So I'm glad that you said that because I, I, I hope that it, it actually becomes that for, for women. It makes sense that facing breast cancer and saying, what do I want to leave for my children? And then you created something that does perpetuate beyond you and can, and can serve and help and connect, create a connection to the next generation. It's a very good idea. I like it a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, I'll have to see. Is it on your website? Can I find it on your website? I haven't. I haven't put it. hasn't launched yet. So it's launched okay. in the holiday. So I'll be sure to share it with you. When yes. I Sorry. <laughs> I'm just too excited. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, okay. So from all that we've spoken about, let's dive into once you've got your vision in mind of what you want to be and do. Then we can dive into the beautiful, wonderful teaching of essentialism, which we both, we both love. Can you go ahead and give us a rundown about how it works and how you practically help your clients to apply it? Yes. So essentialism is the idea of really focusing and crafting your life around what truly matters. And as we were talking about those values and principles, it's, and you know, I had to even, because I was really interested in slow living. Um, so I had to kind of like figure out what was the difference between slow living and essentialism. Um, and I think with slow living, 
it's really about the unbusying yourself um, in, in general and just kind of embracing the the slower, meaningful things of life um, throughout your day. I think essentialism, I think you do have to look at it in the lens of, I do have these things to do in my life and I need to find a way to prioritize the things that truly matter to me and how I spend my time. So I think it, it is in the in the realm of productivity, which I you know don't want to like belittle it in any way, shape or form. It's not all about productivity, but I think it's using time as an anchor to say, okay, I have so much time in my day. How do I use that time in the way that supports my energy, supports my joy, you know, and just helps me live a life that I love. Um, so that's that's kind of what, how I make the distinction. Um, and what do you think about essentialism? So for me, the definition I've always had in my mind is that essentialism is the disciplined pursuit of less, but better. Yes. So for an analogy on that, it'd be instead of a closet of a bunch of random clothes, you have a fewer nice clothes that go well together, almost going from a, a crazy closet to a capsule wardrobe, <laughs> that idea, just pulling out what does it, what isn't working, what isn't going well together and making it better. Yes. And I think that, you know, it's through that lens, like, it's like, how do you get there, right? How do you get to whittle down the full closet to the closet that feels like you, right? It's understanding what matters to you, what kind of life you actually lead, not the one you want to lead, um, and making sure that the what you're choosing actually aligns with the life that you have. Um, so yes, I agree with you that it's, it's interesting because I was so into minimalism, but it never really felt like complete to me. Um, and I think that uh, essentialism is more than just the stuff, right? It's more than just the tangible items in your life. It is really taking that idea of less and broadening it to all areas of your life. Exactly. I 100% agree. When you're doing essentialism, it's it's not minimalism. I just want to clarify for the audience. It is minimalism oftentimes can become having less for the sake of having less. And maximalism can be having more for the sake of having more. Essentialism is having what works for you and maximizes your happiness. So there's a big difference there. So back to the closet analogy, um, not literally, although you could literally work on it, um, is like you were saying, if you're going to get rid of all the extra clothes that don't really fit or don't work well together, you need to know what kind of clothes do you want. So someone's closet who, whether it's a mental closet or a real closet, is it going to be filled with blues and greens or is it going to be filled with like beige? What What are you going for? So you've got to align your values with it. And um, I think that's where it's really important where you come in is having people do that process before they start deciding where they're going to put their time yeah yeah and you know even taking that like closet analogy another step further it's like 
you know, you want to feel good in the stuff that you pick out, right? Um, and I think that, you know, as a time management coach, we think about just the schedule, but I don't just manage your time. Like I want to help women learn how to manage their energy. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough, right? Like how do you align your schedule in a way that supports how you feel and helps give you that extra boost when you need it, right? Um, so thinking more strategically about your calendar and um, the different types of activities that you're choosing to do, I think sometimes that we always think that all activities drain us, but that's not the case. I know that for uh, for sure because with coaching, I get off the calls with so much more energy than sometimes I started. Right, so there are it, there are activities that yes, maybe require some physical energy but light you up on the inside and you're just like, oh my God, you know, having a great conversation with a girlfriend or, you know, going out to date night, you know, with your partner, like those things give you energy. So we want to make sure that your day isn't just filled with draining activities. It's also filled with fulfilling, fill me up types of activities too. I had never thought of that perspective, but it completely makes sense. What would it look like when a client comes to you and, and again, they're all scattered and lost? What process do you walk them through? You've got, do you start with values? Do you start with your why? Where do you begin? Well, I think one of the most impactful things that I've started with is we actually do a time audit. So we do a week and we just kind of track what's happening. And I say to them, hey, do not feel like you need to be perfect this week. Do what you normally do and we'll track We'll track your time and just see where it goes, right? We want to be honest about what you're normally doing. Um, and I think that's a good way to start um, because it shows them what's really happening. And then it's easier to have the value conversation because they're more invested now that they're seeing like, oh, wait, I'm spending seven hours just on like doing my daughter's hair. You know, it's like, do I want to spend seven hours a week doing that? Okay, now, okay, what are things that we can do then to reduce that time? But also, you know, what what are we going to then fill it with? And it becomes a lot more fun, engaging conversation of, you know, that we're doing together as a team. Um, if we start with kind of like what's actually happening, and I'm a practical person, I'm a data analyst, so I love to have the data. I feel like that just, it just makes things feel more substantial and tangible. And we can literally track what's happening over time. So as you're working with me, you can see, oh, am I putting more of the life-filling, joyful activities on my calendar? How much more am I putting a week, you know, on my calendar? And, you know, if I'm reducing those things that were, that I didn't want to spend too much time on, I can see how much I'm actually reducing those over time. So I love that part of it. I love that my clients feel like they're getting so much value because they can see where things are actually going. Sorry, I'm just so busy listening. I'm not even thinking about questions right now. This is fabulous. Carry on. What do you do next? Um, so we start with the time audit and then um, we do the core value conversation. And then for me personally, I even if it doesn't fit, and I don't think every tool is for every person, 
I like to start my clients with time blocking. I believe so strongly in it. I think it is so much better than doing a to-do list. <laughs> um, so we put everything on the calendar. Um, and I teach them how to time block. And we don't just time block based on what's happening at work. We time block their entire day from the time they get up to the time they go to sleep. And we build in rest. We build in, you know, we call it clean rest. And we build in activities for them that just make them feel excited about their day. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, and that's, and then, and then what happens there is we kind of refine that every week. And when things come up, whatever they're struggling with, we tackle that. And then, you know, every time they're getting better at time blocking, um, and, you know, by the time they leave with me, they, they have a process and they're very, they're, they're more able and capable of doing it moving forward without me. So I love that. I love that they leave with a new skill and it's something that they can tangibly troubleshoot because they're seeing what's happening, um, on their calendar and where they can, where they can do better and where things need to be shifted around. I love time blocking. It's again, it's part of the, the planner that I've made because I, I find that I, then I know everything's sorted out. It's all got a place. It's got a time it's going to get done. And so the day before I can relax if I have that built in and then I don't need to worry about, am I going to get X or Y or Z then? And I can relax without stressing. And it's, it's complete um, life-changing concept. But I think maybe some of our audience doesn't really understand what it is. Okay, so time blocking is the art of, so let me start with the to-do list. The to-do list everyone's familiar with, we literally write our list down, whatever we need to do. Hopefully hopefully we're doing that because I think that, that, that writing things down is important, right? So getting them out of our head. Um, but what happens with the to-do list and where it kind of falls down is there isn't any time assigned or priority and it doesn't actually take into account your actual life, like what you have to do. Um, with time blocking, it's using a calendar. You can time block on a paper calendar. It does not have to be on um, on a digital calendar at all. I like to do the digital calendar with my clients because we can both then see it, right? Um, and, you know, so we take that calendar and we carve out blocks of time for the activities that you need to do. So for example, um, I like to start with the, the need to do's, right? So I have to get up and maybe I have to get myself dressed and I have to get my kids dressed. We put that on your calendar and that happens from six to eight. If, that ha if that's what it is, then that's what we put on the calendar and we create time for it. Um, and once we do that, and then maybe you have meetings for work that are on that calendar, that's great. So then we can see how much time you actually have available for other things. All the things in your mind that you have to do today. If you only have three hours left after the need to do, then you're probably not going to get all of those things on your to-do list done. So time blocking actually forces you to prioritize what you're actually going to do based on the time that you have available to do it. And that's why I love it so much is because some people struggle with prioritization and time blocking. You kind of have to, you can't put everything on your calendar because there just isn't enough time. 
So it helps you practice prioritization, which I think is a skill that all of us, all of us need in order to be successful. Keep going. You're doing great. What else do you do? You're doing this time blocking. And um, I think there's a lot of other aspects that I'd like to talk with you about after we finish this, but carry on. What do you do next with your clients? Um, so we, I would say the next thing that we do is, um, I'm trying to think because then it becomes a much more specific conversation, right? So, um, I had a client who she wanted to go to started working out. She wanted to start working out more and she loved working out, but, uh, she, you know, just couldn't find the time to do it. So once we carved out the time, then it was about, you know, the motivation, how to get the, the motivation and the mindset there. Um, so that's when we start working on more of those mindset things after we've gotten the, the time kind of sorted out. Um, and that can look like a lot of different things because, I, you know, all of us, we have our own individual reasons why we don't feel like getting up <laughs> or we don't feel like doing the things that even we want to do that we're excited about doing. Um, so we, we, you know, that's when the traditional, I think coaching happens where it's a lot of question based, but it's digging deeper and deeper into what is that block? What is holding you back and what can we then do about it? Um, and what I love about that is that just feels kind of like a, a deep conversation with a friend, almost like a dance. We don't know where we're going to get to, but we get there together um, and it's so the revelations that happen from those sessions are my absolute favorite. Um, I love a deep conversation. I'm like obsessed. Uh, so, you know, when they, when they, when they get to what it is that's holding them back, then we start to build in, I call them tiny, ridiculous actions. I love tiny, and I got that from the lazy genius. I don't think that I, I don't think I coined that in any way, shape, or form. So I want to make sure she gets credit for that. But those tiny, ridiculous actions are the things that take something big, right? Now that we've determined that it is an appropriate thing for you to do, and it's something that you you know actually aligns with your values, how do we make it something that you're just you wake up and you're like, I could absolutely do this. Like, it's so easy, I could do it. And you're motivated to do it. So we take those goals and we chip them down into small things. So it could be simple as, okay, you want to eventually run a marathon or do a 5K. Well, how about you just walk around the block today? And that feels like something you can do. And maybe for some people, maybe it's not even walking around the block. Maybe you're just going to run in place or run on the treadmill for five minutes. If that feels like so ridiculous that you're like, of course I can do that, that's where we start. Because we're just building the practice of getting you moving, getting you making progress in that area, as opposed to focusing on eating the entire frog, you know? <laughs> like, you don't have to do it all today. Um, but I think that we think so, we think so little of progress. And it's so impactful. Five minutes a day, 365 days. That's a lot. That's a lot of progress that you've made in that area. But what happens is we we have this all or nothing mentality when it comes to the things that we have to do in our life. And we say to ourselves, okay, I have this huge load of laundry. 
if I don't have the time or if I don't have the energy to fold it all right now, I'm not going to do any of it. Well, what if you just did five pieces of clothing? And I know it sounds ridiculous. What if you just did five? That's five pairs less that you have to do. And if you did five every day, you'd start to see that pile dwindle. And gosh, maybe on day three, you're like, you know what? It looks so much less like, um, what's the word? Like menacing to me that I'm just going to do the rest of it right? But you've made that little bit of progress every day. So I love, 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 love putting together those tiny ridiculous actions because it feels silly. It feels silly, which also disarms um, my clients and it feels more fun. You know, we laugh about it and they're just like, they get the text messages. Oh my God, like here's the picture of like the five shirts I folded or like you know, I got up and I did a downward dog and that was it. And I considered that yoga for the day. Like, I love that, you know? So um, yeah, that's kind of what we do. And it's more specific to the issue that they're having at the time. Well, that all makes sense. And it's so logical too. And it also builds the habits, you know, just even doing that simple thing. And then you increase and increase and day after day. And eventually that's really adds up that we we underestimate it. You're right. You're right about that. One thing, though, that um, we haven't talked about yet is along the lines of what you were talking about is choosing the things that you want to do and building those little habits to something that's appropriate for you. And going back to the boundaries is sometimes there's stuff that needs to be done, but we don't have to be the ones to do it. Delegation. Delegation. <laughs> Oh man, it's so empowering once you start to use it as well. And you just realize that you are not, you don't have to do it on your own. Like you have help, you have people. And that feels good because a lot of us show up for so many other people, but we still feel like we need to do it all on our own. And it's, it's so, it's so sad. I, I'm, I was so guilty of this myself for so long. And there's certain things I still sometimes struggle asking for help with, you know, like you almost keep track and you're like, well, that person picked up my daughter twice already this week. I don't know if I could ask them again. You know, like it's, it's like you start to keep track of that stuff. And I don't think that's how we should live. I think that if we're building a community and we want to be part of a community, then that doesn't just mean showing up for people. That means allowing other people to show up for us. So you know, it starts in our home. That's our kids, you know, help them understand what community and teamwork is all about. I say that all my time. We call ourselves Team Low, uh, our family, because we do things together. We don't let one person get up and just start doing something and the rest of us are just chilling out. Like, no, like it goes so much faster. It feels so much better if we're doing this as a team. Um, and, you know, get your chant together, whatever you guys do to get started so everyone feels pumped up. But I, those are the kinds of values that I want to instill in my children because it's they're going to just be more helpful and more supportive, but they're also going to be able to accept help. Um, and I want them to be able to do that because I struggled with it for so long. I think that's key. What you said is that they can be helpful to others. Others can be helpful to them. And that's a community. And so if someone has picked your daughter up three times or twice a week and you ask, when about the third one? then there's obviously something you can do that's in your wheelhouse or works with your schedule to reciprocate and show them you appreciate it 
and to be there for them. And so you don't get this feeling of, of being a user or, you know, guilt or anything like that. Yeah, it's true. But the thing is, is like we feel that guilt before even knowing that you it, it's a family that I show up for often, but it's different when it's you asking, you know, and that's kind of the piece that we need to fight that guilt, that moral guilt. Um, it just is so prevalent. And it, I think it is very heavily tied to perfection. Like you have to be the one to do it, whether it's you know, society has told us that we need to do it. Or maybe your mom, like for me, my mom did so much. And I thought she was just like the best mom. She did all the things. But I never actually stopped to ask myself or her, like, were you happy? Like, were you actually happy? And I think happiness and joy are things that we have removed from motherhood. Um, and it's more of a serve, you serve everyone but it's like your own feelings don't matter as much anymore um and i think we need to bring that back because if moms are full if their hearts are full if they are so excited if they have energy if they're taking care of themselves mentally and physically my gosh won't we have the strongest families ever you know and that to me is the goal to have strong vibrant families where all of the people in the house are happy and excited about life. Okay, I'm just writing that down. <laughs> because it was so good. Um, so with what you just said, you said happiness and joy are things that we have removed from motherhood and we need to bring them back. And that will give us the strongest families ever. Now, that breaks my heart. The first part of that sentence, the happiness and joy have been removed from motherhood. I want to know why you think that is. And also, let's define a little bit what happiness and joy are. Because just like we had to define self-care, people might think happiness means a night out at a, you know, <laughs> with your girlfriends at, at a club or a pub or something like that. And But happiness and joy to me are things that are a lot deeper and they are most easily felt when we are making progress toward a meaningful goal that fills us. That's what I think. But um, yeah, if you could tell us what you think they are and how we get those back. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think you're spot on with your definition, right? It's all about leading, leading a meaningful life, a fulfilling life. And I think that it, it can be hard to define and maybe that's why it's easier for other people to define it for us because we've tied it to things or money um, or, you know, keeping up appearances, right? But I think you're right. It is the, could be the small meaningful things of life. Um, ultimately, I think we have to define it for ourselves. And I think that's why it is so, it's kind of like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do another thing. <laughs> I don't want to have to think about what joy really means to me or what happiness really means to me. Like I'd rather, you know, just kind of go by other people's definitions because I got so much other things to do. I don't have, I don't want to do another thing. Um, but I really do think that, that that's the work I do with moms. It's figuring out what joy actually means to you because it's going to be different for me. Like joy for me is coaching. Joy for me is create creating, you know, uh, crafts or, you know, um, baking with my kids. It's not going to be that 
for other people, right? Um, so I think it's realizing that we have to reflect. We have to do our own reflection and, and do the work and figure out what does happiness mean to you. It's similar to success. What does success mean to you? You know, you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you make X amount of money. It could mean for you that you have a certain amount of flexibility in your job that you can travel with your family whenever you want, you know? Um, but those are things that I think that we need to do the work to actually name and identify for ourselves. Otherwise, we're never going to know. And we're going to go through life, which is the track that I was on, go through life just doing all the things I thought I needed to do that people told me my whole life were success and were happiness and feel a void. And, and that and, and not really knowing why that void's there and thinking, okay, well, that probably means I need to work more. I need to hustle harder. And I think it's the complete opposite. We need to slow down. We need to figure out what we value, what really matters to us. And then we need to start making sometimes the tough and hard decisions to, to design our life in that way. And that could mean not hanging out with certain people anymore who are draining you of your energy and just not for the season of life that you're in, not supporting that, you know? It could mean having a tough conversation with your boss. If you are a star employee, maybe you do ask for more flexibility because it's important to you. And instead of fighting for the promotion that you may not actually want because that usually comes with more responsibility, if you just want flexibility, maybe have that conversation instead of it always being tied to money, right? So it's those types of things that we need to uncover for ourselves, but it starts with you. It starts with figuring out what you want and who you are and what really matters to you. And that helps you find your way to feeling fulfilled and feeling the joy that you want in your life. Yes. No, and it's funny, no one can give that to you. You have to do that work on your own. And I think that's that's the part that can feel boring. It can feel um, like another task. But ultimately, I think that is the key to living that fulfilling life, right? It's the, it's the necessary work. So if a woman is listening to us and saying, uh, no, she's right. I am really busy. I don't have time to sit down and figure out what makes me happy and joyful. I think your caution would be, if you want to have a strong and happy family, this is something you need to do and make the time for it. So what kind of guidance would you give her if she wants to just sit down and do it at home before she can call you, before she can get in contact with you? Um, how long should she take to do this? And what's the process of figuring out this um, what it looks like for her. Yeah. So I would say one exercise that has been really helpful for many women, um, many people in general. So in coaching, we have the coaching wheel and it is the circle and it has different categories in the circle. Um, think of it as a pizza. Each wedge is a different category and it just allows you to rate from one to 10 in each category, where you feel fulfilled and, and joyful and, you know, where do you feel like, you know, um, your life is in that category. Um, and it's just eye-opening to see it 
all on one page and you can go the extra mile and like shade in, you know, I think adults need to color more. So go ahead and shade in, you know, so you can see, okay, well, how many eights and nines do I have, right? And how many twos and threes do I have? Um, because then you'll get a chance to see, I think it's a visual representation of how you really feel. Um, so that I think is like a first step. Um, and then call me and we can talk more about what it looks like to take what you're seeing in that coaching wheel, take how you're feeling and make some practical steps towards redesigning your life in a way that aligns more with what you truly value, with what, what really matters to you. I mean, the, the name of my company is Wealthy Mama, but it's not spelled W-E-A-L, it's spelled W-E-L-L, um, because it is about your wellness, right? And it's, it's about how you, how you feel. And I think that that energy is what I really want women to focus on because yeah, I could give you time, but if you're still, if you're focusing on, if you're filling that time, let's say we save you 10 hours a week, but you fill it with more of the things that other people want you to do, you're still going to feel the same, right? So you know, get with someone, even if it's not me, that can help hold you accountable, that can help you come up with ideas for things that light you up and maybe do it with a friend and you guys are, you know, partners. But I think like get a journal and reflect, figure out, do some deep work and figure out what it is that, that really matters to you and then start making some small steps. Um, and I recommend starting with small steps because it's not, we're not trying to get to an end. <laughs> you know, we are trying to make lifestyle changes and habits. Um, and so then if you, if you, what I like to call go too hard in the paint, if you go so hard, you're going to burn yourself out, even on the good things. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm so tired. And you're going to stop. So you want to make small changes that feel good, um, that there is a little bit of resistance there, but just enough that you're still motivated. Um, and anytime you feel like it's too much, just literally give yourself the, the permission to pull back and, you know, start again with those tiny ridiculous actions. Um, but I would say, yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Reflect. I would say do the coaching wheel. I think that's a great exercise. If you want to take on the time on, on it on your own, you can. Um, just to see where your time is going. And there are a lot of apps built into your phone, even though we need to get away from our phones <laughs> as much. But if you happen to use your phone, then you can start seeing where you're spending some of your digital time as well. And that can be very eye-opening for for many. So um, you have you have tons of options, but I'm just excited that anyone who would listen to this would think, I want to make a change like that gets me excited. Um, so yeah, I think any one of those things is a, it's a great start. Yeah, I think I've done that coaching meal before and it is really cool to see it because if you picture it like a wheel on a car, you need to have the, the edges even or else it won't go very well. Um, and it is, it, it, I can't remember all the categories though, but 
but yeah, it was fascinating to see. Yeah, it just gives you a place to start, you know? Um, and I recommend not doing too many at once, just picking a category that's a little bit low and starting there. Um, but yeah, I think it, I love visual representations of things, you know, as a data analyst, we take like all this data and we turn it into pictures. Um, so, and I think that pictures are powerful. Um, so that's why a lot of what I do is picture based, um, because you know, then the data doesn't lie. And if we make it pretty, it's, it's even more, it's easier to pay attention to it. <laughs> I 100% am on you on, on your side with that. That was, that's exactly right. I just, the, the visual to see it, to actually see, and obviously if you do different colors and different categories, that's even prettier. And then you can say, oh, I need to work on this red category, or I need to work on the green one and the orange, and I need to up my game in my family life and the time I'm spending with my kids or whatever it is. And it's, if I find if you go back and do that check again, every, I don't know, every month or so, maybe, how often do you recommend people go back and reassess and reevaluate? I mean, I would say potentially maybe every three months because you want to give yourself time to, to change and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Um, so you don't want to necessarily, you know, feel like, oh, I'm not making any progress, you know, but I think significant changes can happen in the, in that three months. Um, yeah. So I, I say every quarter, if you could do the wheel, if that's something you want to do, and then it's only four times a year and like we could do something four times a year. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Um, I feel like there's so much more we could go over, but um, before we finish up, I just want to ask two questions. Firstly, are there any key takeaways, any major points you'd like to say or emphasize? If you had like the last breath in your in your life and you were coming to give this this wisdom to these women, what would you say to them? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, on my dying bed, what would I say? I would tell every mother that she deserves to live a life filled with joy. She deserves to enjoy her life just as much as she is the architect of joy for so many others. Um, I think that would be my message. And, you know, my coaching is one way, I think, to that. There are many ways, and I would want her to explore and have fun and rediscover who she is and even, you know, change. If she wants to change and transform, give herself permission to do that and for it to be an experiment, you know? Experiments are not, they, 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 they don't have to be right. And they are a bit messy um, and they're fun. And so I think thinking about life as an experiment where we get to just try new things and learn new things about ourselves and show our families who we really are. Like, I think that's the greatest gift, right? To let people see who we are. Um, that's really what I want. I really want moms and women to love their lives, love themselves, and let people love them in the way that they deserve to be loved as well. And we can only do that if we show people who we are authentically. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Um, so if people do want to work with you or want to follow you or find you, where would they find you online? 
So I have a website um, and that is melissaklow.com. And I'm also on YouTube um, and you can find me at The Wealthy Mama on YouTube. Um, and I have a Substack, but you can find the links to my Substack on YouTube. So I don't want to give you too many links. So, like I said, tiny ridiculous actions. You can follow me, go on my website or find me on YouTube. Okay, that's perfect. We'll make sure you have the links in the show notes so everybody can find them and, and just click, make it easy for them. Awesome. Melissa, thank you again for your time um, and your wisdom and your heart and you're just a very, very smart and caring person with all the good attributes that we look for. So thank you for coming on the Rocket Cradle podcast. Um, I hope to hear from you and we will definitely be following you on all the social media we can. Thank, thank you. you so much. It was a pleasure being here. You're just so warm and you made it so fun and um, so nurturing. Um, so it was just a joy to be here. Thank you. Um, everyone, thanks for coming. We will see you next time on